General Vagon has called the Battle of France is over. The Battle of Britain is about to begin. Welcome to the Lead Pursuit Podcast, a podcast covering Blood Red Skies, a game of World War II aerial combat. Welcome to episode 20 of the Lead Pursuit Podcast. The team has been super busy for the last few weeks with school, jobs, family, and of course the holidays that all take a toll on our hobby time. But we wanted to get together one last time before it gets really crazy to chat about Blood Red Skies and our lack of hobby progress over the last month. So guys, I know uh, we have all been busy. I've been off doing non-Blood Red Skies kind of things, actually the real job and uh, photography stuff. Brett uh, has been off doing family things and work. And uh, Chris has actually been, wait a minute, finishing his schoolwork? Come on. What a terrible excuse. (laughs) It it is, but, you know, eventually it's going to pay the bills, so... Well, what have you guys been doing hobby? Because I haven't done crap. Brett, what have you done? And I've been working on that B-29. That's been a kind of a fun process. That, I, that's true. Yeah. Those, I, those yeah metals just sent it gorgeous on that thing, man. I just sent it to Kevin to proof the, the uh, RB-29 decal sheet. Yep. So, uh, I, you know, I, once I got it, I was like, I'm just going to paint it. So I just, I was just going to send it to him to fool with it and have him, you know, and not, start painting it until he sent it back to me, but I couldn't resist. You know, So it's all ready for the uh, decals to go on. So when I get it back, I'll slap the decals on, put some more varnish on it and then uh, tidy it up and it'll be ready. So, so how are we going to mount this damn thing? It is huge, isn't it? Yeah, it goes, it, it sits on a uh, blood red skies uh, extended uh, base. No problem. And it's so big though. The fuselage yeah, does it dominate so the board? <laughs> uh well it is it's big and i don't think the pictures do it real justice i mean it's just so much bigger than anything else that we have on the table but uh you know when you when you put it into um uh disadvantage the nose actually kind of rests on the table <laughs> and when you put it in advantage <laughs> the tail rests on the table so it's not falling this is over gonna be, this is going to be a, a, a little embarrassing next to it yeah just exactly a scale put it out there with a the mig we, i want to see that uh, yeah. yeah so i i'm sent that off i think uh Kevin will get it tomorrow is the estimate. And, uh, you know, whenever he can get that back to me, I'm trying to just crank it out really quick so I can get it to you for um, Siege of Augusta. Right. Well, I, I'd love to have it for Siege of Augusta. And for those that are listening, there is already a Blood Red Skies game set for Saturday afternoon and evening. Um, and it looks like it'd be an eight player Battle of Britain uh, German bombarding a coastal radar station or something like that. Um, that game looks like it's going to be fun. I've signed up for it. Um, I think there's still some openings left if anyone's going to siege and hasn't signed up. Um, but I'm going to bring my new uh, MIG alley map. I'm going to bring uh, MIGs and Sabres and uh, maybe a <laughs> rather large B-29. Uh, so, so we'll do some jet stuff as well. And so, um, there's some openings on Friday, uh, depends on what everybody's schedule supports. Uh, I'll be there Friday. Uh, I'll gladly, uh, host a blood red skies game, or we can do a pickup game, uh, whenever anyone has any free time. But I think, uh, doing, uh, doing that B 29 on the map is definitely going to be fun to at least see that thing fly around the table. At least look cool. cool. Yeah. Yeah. Chris, what have you been doing? So, you know, honestly, with school, it's been it's just been crushing. But I did get 
Um, my, um, God, now I'm forgetting airplanes. My wildcats done from my Guam wildcats are done. Oh, nice. So I got the canopies painted on them. I got my hellcats done all except the canopies. Um, those will be done soon. And then, um, I was going to start some other things, but I'm just going to wait until I'm waiting on an order from, um, Dave right now with, uh, the Fiat's and the, um, the 202, the 202s for Sweet. the multi campaign. And I'm waiting for the 79s for that. Brett was able to score. Thank you very much for signing. Somebody could 3d print us some 79s. Um, by the way, if you're, if you're looking for 79s, the mold, um, that Dave has is not good right now. I told him that we're going to be doing um, Siege of Malta for Adepticon this year. So he's putting the mold back in the order of getting things fixed. But he said that he's just frankly been so swamped with Christmas and Blood Red Skies that, you know, he just that that was one of the molds that just got pushed to the back when it failed. <laughs> that actually so, sounds like a good thing to me. The fact that he uh, is getting so much business from Blood Red Skies uh, miniatures requirements. Dude, I think that's a good swamped. thing. He said, Good. I am swamped. He said, I, I can't see straight with Christmas coming up. And he said, he said, I just, he says, I can't get to it. And I says, you know, possibly could you get to it for us? But now that we've got the other ones, I'm probably going to send him an email and just say, hey, you know, hold off. Don't put that in your queue to, to fix until um, Blood Red Skies gets a little bit closer to actually doing um, the Italy stuff. So, I mean, I want to have him do something that's going to sit there and he's only going to crank a couple models out when he's cranking models for the community that are that are more needed out. Right. Well, I, and so. I think that looking that Adepticon is probably going to be the best time to do something big with Malta, yeah. um, assuming all the pieces fall into place and assuming that airstrike comes out somewhere February ish, <laughs> then uh, everybody will be, uh, be ready to do that kind of uh, big scenario with some, some ground targets and some cool things out well, there. John Russell posted a picture of the physical book um, the other day. Oh, that dirty so rat. I missed it somehow. Did. So. Um, I think it was, but um, I don't know if I'm diamond him out or cat out of the box. So, so it's something's been printed. I don't know if it's a test print, um, which they do do those in the business sometimes where they'll do a limited run. But um, but he did have a physical copy that said airstrike on the front. Nice. So, nice. Um, Thanks, he was holding in his hand. So I think I think I don't think because when he was explaining to us, it wasn't necessarily a, a matter of them getting it printed in time. It was more a matter of there's so many things going on. Correct. They didn't think they were going to be able to keep up with demand for other things along with releasing airstrike. So they just basically hit pause on it for a little while. So I think that's why there's probably some copies of it floating. Well, so I don't think we're going to have any problem having it by Adepticon. Yeah, the good news is, you know, from a, at least according to their own uh, uh, newsletter, they've already filled all their uh, Black Friday orders. So unlike yeah. last year, when the wheels came off the bus and it went yeah. careening down uh, and hit a truckload of nuns, uh, yeah. <laughs> this year it sounds like they managed everything and their and their Black Friday sales uh, did not overwhelm them. So they yeah. were able to go out there and and fill those orders be able to go through the holidays and then focus on uh, releasing some stuff for the, uh, for the first of the year, which should be good. Yeah. yeah. So that's a big stuff that I've been working on. Um, like I said, getting ready for siege of Malta and um, definitely looking forward to, um, to the um, midway stuff. And, and for me, the, the bigger thing is Guadalcanal stuff. So, right. um, so in the long run, that's, that's where kind of my heart is sitting in blood Ridge, guys. You left your heart in Guadalcanal. No, the song I doesn't did, go dude. that way. I've been, so. I've been so I've been so stuck on reading everything freaking Guadalcanal, and in in the off moment, time to like sit and hobby. But I've been spending a lot of time in the car, so all the time that's been in the car has been listening to to various books about that storyline. So, 
Yeah, I, I have not been doing that. I've been uh, spending my time traveling back and forth, listening to 40K podcasts for all the stuff yeah. that I haven't caught up on. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> and all, all the new rules drops and everything that I don't know about the game that has got even more miniatures waiting to be painted than Blood Red Skies, but that's yeah. okay. Well, I, I will pimp one of the projects that I have been working on because it is kind of Blood Red Skies related, but I did finish my first feature link documentary um as part of one of the classes that i was doing in the school it's not the greatest piece of work ever it's trust me people i'm starting out with this whole interviewing things but i was able to interview a b-29 bombardier who actually flew in japan and dude's a fascinating guy he lives right up the road from me in an assisted living community and we got to spend several days together talking and and reminiscing and then i was able to record his story for about two hours so if you're interested in that it's up on youtube um mr orley duke van dyke um <laughs> the guy recounts some absolutely amazing stories like um the fact that to get into a b-29 bombay when you were the bombardier and you had a hung bomb you had to have the bombay doors open and you couldn't go in with your parachute on because <laughs> the door was too small uh, that's that sounds like a great plan <laughs> who designed that one? Oh, must be the same people i work with at navair yes <laughs> absolutely oh. so he's talking about being like being on like an eight inch you know like stanchion in between the bomb racks like holding onto the ceiling with a with a screwdriver trying to prom pry a bomb shackle loose to to drop the one hung bomb after a raid in japan i mean just great story stuff like that if you enjoy stuff like that that's firsthand the dude's a so, genuine genuine hero. so, so the B-29 has always been fascinating to me. And and I'll admit until probably this year, I did not spend enough time studying just even the physical airplane, but the history of all the different places that it operated. Because mm -hmm. everybody always thinks of, you know, operating out of Tinian, Guam, Saipan, uh, atomic bomb, you know, mainland Japan raids. And they forget that it was first introduced into the CBI, the China Burma India Theater, because everybody <laughs> was like, we're not really sure how this bomber is going to work out. We're really not sure what we're going to do with it. Um, and they didn't have the air bases secured in the Central Pacific. So if you think about it, the, these guys with a B-29 that, oh, by the way, we've now validated in Blood Ritz, guys, is a effing huge bomber uh, on the yep. table. They did expeditionary air force operations. So they would they would be in India. They would load up the weapons, take off, fly a loaded airplane to China land at an EAF that was literally just gravel that the local Chinese had yep. paved, gas it back up, and then go fly and hit either Manchuria, uh, the Japanese airfields there, hit some of the, the outlying islands around uh, mainland Japan, and then do the whole thing going home. I mean, mm -hmm. that that is hilarious when you think of bombers, because normally we just think of bombers as these these long-distance one-way trips, not a intermediate stop, expeditionary field, gassing up a, a, a bomber raid um, in the middle of nowhere, China. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting to read some of that history. I didn't know until I started investigating how many B-29s there were in the Pacific. Yeah. So hundreds. There's so here's a question. Do you know how many were at the signing of the surrender? So the I know that I have a photograph of his flying over and in a formation of four. But no, I don't know. But I know it was like every plane they could get in theater was in the air. So the the coolest thing last week uh, or week after I guess, uh, last week when I was out in Las Vegas, uh, for the International Council of Air Shows, because as a lot of people know, I do aviation photography stuff. But I was out there talking to uh, a lot of air show people. And one of the speakers we had was the lieutenant colonel who led the entire flyover for the surrender of Japan. And you may 
ask yourself, well, why did they do a flyover? And it literally was to intimidate the entire Japanese military by saying, after you sign the papers, you're going to sit here and you're going to watch for an hour as B-29 after B-29 after B-29 flies by. And I don't have the number off the top of my head. I'm sitting here trying to type and type and bring it up off the internet. It was like 540 B-29s. Every B-29 in the Pacific Theater repositioned to be part of this flyover. Oh, yeah. Uh, Orly said the sky was literally black, black with aircraft between the Navy and the Army aircraft flying that day and while they were flying the marines were simultaneously landing on mainland japan <laughs> as they were signing the surrender he says i watched it he says it was just he says we couldn't believe we were part of it and he says our biggest worry was we we're going to hit another airplane after we were done fighting a war yeah yeah so. exactly yeah well and, and so it's interesting that you, you think about a show of force that big and that's truly what it was it was an intent to to show the surrendering military that you know, just in case you had any second thoughts, <laughs> this should yeah. uh, this should dissuade you from any of that. Um, but to think that there were still that many aircraft just of that one type uh, still running around the theater, uh, capable of doing uh, combat operations. Pretty, pretty darn yeah. impressive. Yep. I was really surprised in reading just in the accounts from Korea, just how complicated an aircraft it remained and how many crews and ships were lost just because of mechanical problems and stuff. I oh, yeah. really was surprised by that. Well, I was also surprised how, you know, as much as I'd always heard how amazing these remote controlled turrets were that by the time of Korea it was like, yeah, we disabled that crap. It didn't work very well. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know whether that was more of the advent of the jet or just the fact that, that it was tough to bore sight and tough to keep it, um, you know, really aligned and really, uh, really top notch. Um, but you know, still, still kind of hilarious when you think about how much revolutionary stuff was introduced just in the B-29, whether it be the, the entire pressurized uh, fuselage minus the yep. Bombay um, or things like that, that you know, no one else had really done in an American aircraft uh, of that size before. Well, I was fascinated. Orly was explaining to me that, you know, what it was like when LeMay took over and how he came in and just changed the tactics completely. You know, they were basically doing high altitude bombing and Orly being a bombardier with that background, he was explaining that we just didn't understand the way the jet stream worked over Japan and we weren't hitting anything from 30,000 feet at all. You know, we were missing, you know, 90% of the bombs that were being dropped were not getting on their target. So LeMay came in and said, hey, we're going to fly at 10,000 feet. And the, the reaction that that by everybody was like, you're going to get us all freaking killed. And he was like, no, 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 we're going to fly at 10,000 feet. And the first thing we're going to do is we're going to blow up all their gasoline. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Because once we blew up all their damn fly. gasoline, <laughs> they won't be able to fly. Yeah, and exactly. like I said, they only had two encounters with the enemy aircraft in, in the 24 missions that he flew. So, um, and he said it just they had they had done they had pulverized the Japanese ability to just gas airplanes so bad that even they weren't seeing it. He says flak was their biggest worry. And um, he was explaining the octopus flak, you know, using the white phosphorus in airburst over the, the bombers and how that would stick to the planes and burn through. And he says that was the thing you worried about the most. And just it was fascinating to talk to somebody that actually been there and lived it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Saw a pretty cool declassified training video for flight engineer on a B-29. And the cool thing about it was it was uh, from from entering the aircraft until the aircraft came to a complete stop after mission and all the things yeah. that a flight engineer does. It was really pretty cool. Uh, and it really, uh, you know, it was that typical 40s era introductory training film that was sort of theatrical or whatever. But uh, the whole time I'm watching, I'm thinking, man, this is a lot of stuff going on for this flight engineer. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the funny thing. You think about aircraft like that, that 
So the the original B-29s did not have beta, so they didn't have thrust reverse. Um, they were truly individually managed engines still. I mean, as as, as uh, advanced an airplane it was, they were individually tweaking those airplanes to fly. I, in my opinion, the flight engineer was busier than the pilots, you yeah. know, because he's he's making everything successful so the pilots have the thrust available so that they that they can do their part of the mission and they can make the tactical decisions they make. But he's back yeah. there juggling everything, watching all the, the systems and, you know, you know, managing the pressurization and everything else that is mm-hmm. is kind of a uh, an art form is, I guess, the best way to say it, you know, yeah. until you had much more automated. And those flight engineers on. were enlisted. Yeah. 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 It wasn't an officer crew position. I was just I was I was I was blown away by that. Understanding that the oldest man in his crew was 26 years old. Yeah. The next the next oldest guy was 22 and he was the pilot. And out of the crew, the majority of them had enlisted in the army. You know, they they were all at that age group that was that was, you know, post Pearl Harbor coming of age. So they were all replacement crews, you know, during the end of World War Two. But he said that he went to he went to Fort Sill, Oklahoma to become a flash and sound freaking artillery. guy. (laughs) Basically, a guy who looks through binoculars and waits for a cannon to fire from the enemy and then calls it on a radio. You know, it's not exactly, you know you know, really incredible brain work. And he basically, one of his buddies said, Hey, I'm going to go take the army air Corps test today. You want to go to go with me? And he was like, yeah, sure. Went and took it, passed the test. And he said, next thing I knew I was in college for three months. Cause they said to be an officer, I had to go to college. So they sent me for three months and then they sent me to bombardier <laughs> school. And I became a, I became a second lieutenant on the bombardier. I mean, it's just amazing when you, when you look back on that, the age of those kids, what they were doing. I mean, I can, I can say kids, I'm, I'm a 40 year old, some guy. And I'm just like, Oh God, I cannot believe how young those air crews were that were flying in those B-29s. Yeah, I'm just pulling up right now just a, a quick little blurb about the uh, the flight engineer on a B-29. And it is, it's funny the things I take for granted. So doing fuel consumption mathematics in the F-18, pretty darn easy because you look down at a computer that's calculating your fuel flow mm-hmm. and you have two engines. <laughs> so there's only two of them. <laughs> so you want to know how much gas you're going to burn in 30 minutes? Half of what's being displayed down there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it, all the math was fairly straightforward for us. And we had fairly easy to remember rules of thumb sitting here and reading this paragraph where it literally the quote about the flight engineers. Um, he said that, uh, you know, the non-trivial duties um, that uh, let's see if I can find it again. I totally lost most hard work. member of the flight crew that what we wanted him to do was impossible unless we gave him some extra arms. The flight engineer's computer might've been the most complex slide rule in history with some six independent variables needed for calculation of fuel consumption. (laughs) 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 So it's not like looking down at your gas gauge and your, your, you know, new car says, yeah, you've got 20 miles to go till you're out. Yeah. Yeah, By the way, we just took, we just took a hit in our number three engine and we've got holes in our number two tank and, and, and (laughs) there is no divert other than Iwo Jima and figure it out. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Prepare for that landing sequence, right? That- yeah. Yeah. No kidding. No kidding. Well, oh so we only have about another 15 minutes or so um, yep. because this is going to be a quick episode because the holidays are crushing all of our schedules yep. still. Uh, and I'm sitting here drinking my margarita and it's getting lower and lower and lower. So I need to refill oh, there eventually. <laughs> Brett, are you drinking anything or are you just having a glass of water? Uh- I just finished some Evan Williams, a little spiked eggnog, actually. Ooh, aren't you a holiday themed guy? Right away. In, in the spirit, yeah. I was wrapping presents before we started recording. So, yeah. <laughs> bah humbug, presents, whatever. I'll give them coal. Uh, but no, so I want to talk real quick about what we're planning on doing after the holidays. Uh, obviously, we've mentioned uh, Siege of Augusta. That's coming up. 
Uh, Coastal Con is also coming up here in February in Beaufort, and that'll be uh, the 22nd, I believe, of February. Um, and I'm going to be here for that because, well, you know, it is kind of my hometown, so I can't exactly ditch the conventions in my own hometown. Um, but then once we get uh, into March, we've got a Depticon at the end of the month. Uh, we know that Friday we're all going to plan on playing some Blood Red Skies games, right, guys? Yes, we are. Absolutely. Um, but once again, the tables other than the bolt action nationals should be fairly open and there should still be some room. So if you show up to Adepticon and you see a bunch of other warlord game stuff going on, look for those of us that have been exiled to the corner table or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But we have assurances that we have some room out there to still be playing blood red skies, uh, even as the, uh, the the pretty large bolt action nationals are going on. And so we obviously want to support warlord with that, but we thank them for uh, giving us a chance to, uh, to do some blood red skies demo stuff. And, you know, once again, I'll say everybody keep messaging us. We've been having uh, some good conversations about the new Warlord website out there. I've been talking to people about a, a couple of the, uh, the rules revisions that are coming up. But uh, shoot us either a message in the Blood Red Skies Ready Room or, you know, send us uh, go to our website, leadpursuit.net and drop us a contact form there. Uh, and let us know when you want to get together and play and, and what you want to do. Um, you know, Brett, what are some of the things that really you're going to focus on uh, once you get through the holidays and are done uh, wrapping gifts? What's your next big project? A JU-88 for Malta. I've got JU-88, ME-109, uh, BF-109Fs, and oh, i got to do some more Stukas, yeah. So I've got a pile. I just got my, I just placed my order with Dave, uh, just paid for nice. it, so it should be shipping this week or, you know, next week I'll be getting it. Well, hurricanes are my big priority for uh, Malta. Uh, What is not my priority is anything with uh, two sets of wings. So uh, gladiators, uh, albacores, uh, swordfish. Yeah, nope, nope. I'm not ordering any of those models. So (laughs) if if you're coming to Adepticon and you want to fly biplanes, Go buy your own fucking models. I'm not going to support any of those. <laughs> oh, so I, did, I didn't mention my order ahead. that from Dave is uh, there's two more B29s in that order. Oh, geez. You, you have a problem. <laughs> it's a painting problem, but it's a, it's a problem. Yeah. So so I'm really staying away from the the biplanes. And, and I joke that I don't like the biplanes, but but because I'm trying to constrain my my hobby uh, work right now to really be to planes that are going to be multi-theater. So the, the hunters, or sorry, the, the hurricanes, um, the, uh, the spitfires, getting those all worked up. So we'll have uh, plenty of those to put into the game. Um, I, I will have some uh, fairy fulmars that we can use and, and we can kind of uh, use those as proxies for fairy battles if we need to, but uh, no biplanes. So <laughs> yep. not to worry. Most of the scenarios we have built uh, are not going to be ones that would use the gladiators so also, if you bring your own airplanes, if you show up and you've got uh, ME-109s, if you've got Hurricanes, if you've got Spitfires, those are all the planes that we'll use anyway uh, for some of the larger scenarios. So everything should work out uh, pretty well there. Chris, what are you going to be uh, shooting for after the first of the year? It'll be getting any the Italian stuff done as soon as it gets in from Dave. And um, if I get the 79s from Brett, I'll get started on those right away. Um, I just want to get, I'm doing four, um, the two of twos, four of the Fiat's and, and three of the 79's. So those will all be done for the multi campaign so that different people that come up can play Italian aircraft. And then after I get that done, I will probably switch focus and continue on the Russian stuff. And when I say Russian stuff, I mean, Russian front, 
I've got a lot, a lot of Russian aircraft done with Stalingrad probably being released along that timeline. Um, John Russell's asked us to have at least one Russian table going. So I will take the lead on that. I've already got a map that we can use for it. And I will be doing all the various Russian aircraft. Plan is to have two different mission sets that you can run on that map. One is going to have the um, the Normandy Nima, the French squadron, the uh, free French that flew for the Russians. I already have that squadron painted and done. Um, and I'm also going to have um, Lydia Litvak's um, partners in crime, um, the uh, the White Rose of Stalingrad, and we'll uh, work out getting some some 109s and some 190s and some stuff that are that are theater appropriate. Um, and then I'll figure out what other German stuff I'm going to do. So that'll that'll be the focus. Get the Italians done first, and then 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 whatever Russian front, um, Eastern Front stuff I I can get done for um, right. before Adepticon. Chris, if you got all the 109s and 190s for that, let me know what uh, JU-88 unit I can paint up because uh, John sent me three JU-88s, the uh, Zvezda models. And, uh, okay. That so I have three those packs? In, uh, three individual aircraft. Each pack okay. is one aircraft. They're got on it. sprues. You have to assemble them and everything. But uh, okay. I, those are, I had already placed my order with Dave for all the ones I need from Malta. So, uh, oh, gotcha, I can, gotcha. Those, yeah, I'll those, check that out. Yeah, I could plug those in for Stalingrad and paint those up as well. That'll definitely be something we can do for Stalingrad. That that aircraft was used a lot, so we could we could build one bomber mission for in there, a bomber escort mission. That would actually be really fun for the Russians to have a you know that would be a little bit more balanced instead of having you know butcher birds and and Folkwolfs. I mean butcher birds and 109s purely against. Um, the, the not so superior aircraft. <laughs> well, the, the, <laughs> the, the, the good Russian news is, is if anyone's looked at the Adepticon schedule, there's actually at least two days of Stalingrad bolt action set aside in there. Yeah. And so um, there will obviously be an opportunity to do uh, Eastern Front air battles. Yep. So if you got Russian stuff, German stuff, bring that. Uh, if you don't, just borrow ours. Uh, yep. We we want to get people to play more than we care about who shows up yep. with what miniatures. Now that also brings yep. up. Are we going to have something? Are we going to have a a tournament? Are we going to have a competitive level? I don't think that's where we are right now, especially yep. I don't think that's where the community is. I know there's a lot of guys that want to do that. I think it's going to take some time to figure it out in the U.S. And to be quite honest, I'm kind of stepping back and watching how some of the stuff in the U.K. goes, especially uh, as the rules have evolved a little bit since the last time that tournament stuff was done. Uh, so yep. we're really going to concentrate on just having a lot of fun, drinking a yep. lot of beer and putting a lot of airplanes on the table. Yep. So. The two guys that I know that are definitely coming to Adepticon have both said that they want to play, but they're not actively playing right now. So they, they want to learn. So I think we're going to get this year. We're probably going to get a lot of, oh, what is that? Or I heard about this. I've listened to you guys and I'm really interested. But honestly, I've been focused on other things and it's going to be more about, you know, setting the flypaper out there and seeing who gets stuck to it. Yeah. <laughs> well, so. and, and even here in Beaufort. So I've had a chance to work with our uh, our Beaufort gamers. And no one really is a Blood Red Skies player. They've played a lot of other stuff, Wings of Glory, other systems. But it's been fun to sit there and introduce them to Blood Red Skies and how straightforward it is uh, yeah. and talk through similarities between a, a bunch of different game systems. Um, but you know that, that goes back to my point that at Siege of Augusta, there's obviously a decent-sized uh, Blood Red Skies community, and it will definitely be played and demoed even in some times when it's not just being uh, done as pickup games yeah. uh, here at Coastal Con in Beaufort. So, yeah, and I know John Russell is going to bring all of his specific stuff, and I've got I've got two squadrons of Zeke's that are painted. I've got um, Hellcats. I've got Wildcats. I mean, Blood Red Skies is small enough that I'm probably going to bring everything I got. I mean, I'm just going to 
pack it all up and bring it because I'm all, the only thing, other thing I'm playing at Adepticon this year is, is the, um, what you call it? The, the, you're going to play Earth. Zone Mortalis with some Space Marines. But actually, I'm going to play Mechanicum like I always do. I might spring some of my sons of Horus, but, um, but that's the, that'll be the only thing I'm not doing other than Blitter Sky. I'm sure Sons of Horus is going to team up with Brett's Marines. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'm bringing Marines this time. I, you know, so I'll be honest, I put in for an alternate. Uh, I don't know what I'm bringing because now it's uh, a thousand points each. For yeah. a two thousand point zone mortalis uh, doubles game, that sounds uh, like so much fun though. It a sounds points. like five hundred just was not. It was not necessarily fun always fun because it's limiting, but it's also not fun because there's so much stuff you can't bring. But it, the problem it, well, is, it, it, it makes every list predictable. Just about. I mean, it's yeah, almost it the does. same thing. It Delegatus, does. two two squads of marines outfitted yes. different ways. Yes. So, um, but, and then uh, some poor guy brings a uh, a dread, and that just gets absolutely waffle stomped by you know all the marines that are out there absolutely uh, but the bombs for all my friends yeah exactly <laughs> exactly but you know i i joke about that because i don't know uh, whether i'm going to be full-time blood red skies or if i'm going to take a break and, and play a little bit of uh of 30k just because i i love heresy i've got some models painted but oh yeah. crap that means now i've got another 500 points i got a field between well, now it's double now. so you guys are both in if you want to play so i mean it's uh, it's you and one other person right so for each entrance so just let me know if you guys want to play and if not i'll i'll find somebody else to team up with <laughs> find some heretic to hang out with traitor. well i know ryan didn't make it um i don't think into the guy we met last year that had badass sons of I think he made it into the the Zoom Mortalis. It went all the, all the heresy events went really quick. That, again that one year, went so. fast. I was surprised yeah. because my normal strategy of going in, getting my ticket, coming back in, and getting my events because Zone Mortalis was always like two days, a ton yep. of slots. All of a sudden, went back and Zone Mortalis was sold out. I'm like, whoa, yep. <laughs> which probably for me is uh, is better. I can concentrate on Blood Red Skies, but we'll see. Uh, we'll see what the uh, what the painting my trick this year was as soon as season. as soon as I got in and bought my t- put my ticket in the cart, I typed in Horace Heresy in the thing. And as soon as it came up to ZM, I saw I, I knew the Saturday ZM. I just grabbed it, clicked, and I think that's what got me through the cart because yeah, there yeah. was only I think half the t- tickets were gone, and I was in there within thirty seconds of the cart nice. going live. Oh my nice. goodness, yeah, I'm so. on a waiting list, but I'm not painting any more models. So I, <laughs> I think I have I think I have seven hundred fifty, maybe a thousand points if you put those yeah. two armies we played last year together. Yeah, but, you know, it's nothing fancy. It's just you know, dudes with jump packs or not jump packs. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> all right. Well, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up so that we can get back to all of our holiday goodness and all the tasks and honeydew things that we're supposed to be doing, not podcasting. Um, but thanks, guys, for uh, at least making some time in your busy schedule to get back yep. on the podcast and talk about Blood Red Skies. I'd like to encourage our listeners, as always, to give us some feedback, uh, shoot us some comments, uh, make fun of us, go into the Blood Red Skies Red Room and say, those guys at Lead Pursuit, they're the worst ever, and I wish they would stop their podcast, and we'll just laugh at you and keep podcasting. Yeah, uh, yeah. But- <laughs> hey, Doug, hey, Doug, can we say a special shout out to Steve Toth? He reached out to us and, and uh, got involved with us, helping with those SM79s, and they look awesome, and uh, he's helping a lot with these uh, decals for the, uh, the B29s. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. I uh, really appreciate all the help there. Uh, I will laugh because he is about uh, as ADD as the rest of us. And so uh, as soon as we all started jumping on chat and throwing out ideas, I think we invented enough Blood Red Skies work uh, probably until like the fifth or sixth uh, supplement or edition of Blood Red Skies is released. <laughs> um, so so I, I think uh, I, I want to thank him for for helping us out. But I think that we may have only dug our Blood Red Skies hole deeper 
by <laughs> by uh, by engaging. So um, really appreciate everything that the, the community has uh, been doing recently. A lot of talk about the, the Italian aircraft, a lot of feedback on some of the Malta scenarios. Uh, and I know I've got a couple guys that keep going out to the website, reading what we put up on the website uh, for the scenarios and giving me feedback on all the things that I forgot to catch that I didn't put into the scenario sheets. So we'll get those revised and get everything back out there um, and then keep pressing with uh, playing Blood Red Skies. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you taking the time to uh, join us. Uh, We will catch up with everybody after the holiday season. uh, And we'll tell everyone what we're doing uh, to get ready for the three conventions this spring. I'm going to find out what everybody got for Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) I know mine doesn't have any plastic resin or lead, so... have wanted to send you stuff on facebook every time i see that trailer pop up on my news feed <laughs> oh god I've it's, 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 it's I, i've reached this point of just of of uh what's the word i'm looking for um just resignation where i'm just like i'm gonna see the movie i'm probably gonna hate it and everyone else is gonna fanboy about it or hate it and, or, or no one's gonna be anywhere in between i'm like i'm still gonna go see it you know but at, there's gonna be points i'm just gonna roll my eyes and go okay whatever you know as i'm sure as I'm sure Rangers do watching Black Hawk Down, as I'm sure, you know, anybody, any military individual does with their specialty, they sit there and go, oh, okay, that's not the way it happens. How many people that trash Midway, though, are going to freaking tell you that freaking Top Gun <laughs> was best? Like, I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're like, Midway sucks. That movie's terrible, but Top Gun's awesome. Tom Cruise. He was doing Mach two in a Super Hornet. <laughs> it's gonna be like it's gonna be like Iron Eagle, but yeah, it worse. will be. So that used to always be my joke, and I'll make it here because John isn't here to defend himself. But fuck, man, we only made one Top Gun movie in the Navy and Marine Corps. Iron Eagle made at least what three or was I it think, four? Yeah. I lost count. It, it was bad. They had oh to invent God, like World War Two airplanes at some point in you know, some mm-hmm. guerrilla, you know, contractor <laughs> war because they ran out of stories. <laughs> I thought I mean, that was I, a big joke. The Navy, it's not just a job, it's a movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs>